Hello, everybody. My name is James Hill, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Talking Bucks podcast. Hey, how's everybody doing today? Very happy to have you guys tuning in, listening to yet another episode. We are on a Sunday drive today on our way to work, and I figured, hey, you know what? Let's talk about some Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because guess what, folks? There's been a lot that has happened throughout the month of April. So many different things that we can talk about in the next few episodes, so I'll be very, very happy to be talking about them with you all over the next couple of days. But first thing I want to say here is, hey, the NFL draft just concluded. It was a doozy for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They traded back out of round number one, the first time that's ever happened in the Jason Light era. They traded up multiple times throughout this draft as well, giving up not just picks in this draft, but also giving up picks in future drafts as well. Don't worry, it's not a ton of them. They just gave up a fourth round pick in the 2023 NFL draft. So the Buccaneers are still going to have most of their premium picks in next year's draft, but man, oh man, the Buccaneers did a lot, and we are going to be talking about those draft picks today, giving my draft grades for those picks as well. So let's go ahead and get started with the first selection that was made. Houston defensive lineman Logan Hall was taken with the 33rd overall pick, and this was a selection that I was a big fan of. I know that a lot of people wanted Devontae Wyatt, and Devontae Wyatt was there when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were originally going to pick with their 27th overall selection. However, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traded down with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They moved down seven spots, got an extra fourth round draft pick, and an extra sixth round draft pick as well. Hey, that's a pretty good trade down in my opinion when you look at the overall value as to what the Buccaneers were getting for only moving down seven spots, by the way. I think that that is some fantastic value, but I think it goes even deeper than that. I think that whenever you look at what this team was able to get in Logan Hall, I think that it was overall a very, very solid pick. Logan Hall is a defensive lineman who some people may say is undersized. I believe he's 285 pounds, 6'2", possibly, I believe. I could have the height wrong, but I do know he weighs around 285 pounds. A lot of people have actually compared him to current Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive end, Will Golston. Which, folks, if this man is going to be Will Golston, then he's going to be on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a good long while. Because Will Golston is very underrated, I think. Uh, you know, Logan Hall, he's going to give you a little bit of a pass as a pass rusher, a little bit as a run defender as well. I've seen some people question his run blocking ability. In my opinion, it's not going to be a concern. I mean, the man did have 11 tackles for loss last year at Houston. He can put in that work, I think, both in the run defense and in the pass rushing as well. So whenever I think about his, you know, limitations, as some people would say, as a run defender, it doesn't worry me as much as it would worry other people. But Logan Hall's main calling card is his pass rushing ability. He's going to be a rotational pass rusher for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right now, as of this, as of the recording of this podcast, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have not re-signed Indomitian Sue. I imagine that will change. The Buccaneers still have a couple of roster spots left after some of the undrafted free agent signings that they made. So they will 
definitely explore the idea of bringing back Sue. But even if they don't bring back Indomitian Sue, I think Logan Hall could be a day one starter next to Vita Vea, next to Will Golston, and overall give you some very productive, very meaningful snaps. And even if the Buccaneers do bring back Indomitian Sue, I think that Logan Hall is going to give you a very strong rotational player, somebody who's going to be able to put in the work, and I think put in the work effectively as a rotational pass rushing guy. I imagine he would be coming in on passing downs Probably not exclusively, but definitely would be the main situations he would be put in. And I think that overall, this was a solid pick for the Buccaneers. They needed depth along the defensive line. They needed people to be able to come in and contribute in some way, shape, or form right away. And they got that with the selection of Logan Hall out of Houston. What would I grade this pick? Folks, I'm going to give this pick a B plus. I think that it was genuinely a solid pick for this team to make. I really do like Logan Hall and the potential that he's going to have with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, be it with Indomitian Sue and playing behind him, be it without Indomitian Sue. He's going to be able to learn from guys like Will Golston, like Vita Vea, who, by the way, Will Golston, again, is somebody he's been compared to a lot, so it's great that Golston is going to be able to be there to mentor and train him how to be an NFL caliber defensive lineman. And I give it a B plus because overall, when you add the trade down into that as well, the Buccaneers got the guy that they probably would have taken at pick number 27, and they were still able to acquire more picks in the process, which I am overall very happy with. So Logan Hall, first round or second round pick at the top of the second round. It's essentially a first round pick, but again, he was technically selected in the second round with pick number 33. I give it a B plus grade. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were not done. They actually traded up at the end of round number two with, I do not remember the team, but I do remember with the 57th overall pick, they selected Luke Gedeke out of Central Michigan. And this pick is a good one, folks. I give it an A. Luke Gedeke, I think, is going to be the next guy in the line of Jason Light's success draft picks at small school offensive linemen. Central Michigan is not a small school, but you guys get what I'm saying. Jason Light can draft himself some good offensive linemen in the first couple of rounds, especially in rounds two and three. We've seen Alex Kappa. We've seen Donovan Smith. We've seen Ali Marpet. We have seen so many different types of good offensive linemen that have come through the NFL draft in Jason Light's tenure in rounds two and three. And I think that Luke Gedeke will be no different. This dude is a mauler. I mean, an absolute shredder of an offensive lineman. And I like stuff like that. I like a guy who's going to come in there, punch people in the face, and just have a I don't, you know, an I don't care type of mentality in a positive way right? As in to say, hey, I don't care who you are. I'm going to put you in the ground. Kind of exactly what like Ryan Jensen does for this team. The Buccaneers are going to get a very similar type of attitude, type of characteristic of player with Luke, with uh, uh, not, uh, yeah, Luke Gedeke. Yeah, I almost said his name wrong. It's, it's, it's early in the morning, folks, and uh, you do sometimes mess up names, but Luke Gedeke there uh, I think that the Buccaneers are getting an absolute mauler. The man has described himself as a glass eater, which sounds absolutely insane in my opinion, and also sounds amazing in my opinion. Luke Gedeke there, I think, has everything that you want to see in an absolute top 
quality potential offensive lineman. The Buccaneers did trade up to acquire him, so they really were enjoying what they liked out of Gedeke as a player and as a person as well. And overall, I think this is a fine pick. There was a report that came out from Carmen Vitale over at the Draft Network that the Buccaneers were probably expecting Luke Gedeke, or they had fully expected Luke Gedeke, actually, to be the starting left guard for them. We'll see if that report ends up being true. Carmen Vitale, she would be in the know on these types of things. And Luke Gedeke, even if he isn't the guaranteed starter that the Buccaneers view him as, as right now, you've got to give him the inside track for the starting left guard position in between Donovan Smith and Ryan Jensen. He would be battling guys like Aaron Stinney and like Robert Hainsey, a third-round draft pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. But I think Gedeke could and probably will beat out both of those guys for that starting left guard job because, again, the dude has just got it all. And that isn't a knock on Stinney or Hainsey to say they don't have it, but the Buccaneers do have the highest investment in Luke Gedeke. Again, they traded up in round number two to acquire him, and they really really like what he brings to the table understandably so because i think this dude is going to be another player who is going to be a very very solid offensive lineman for the tampa bay buccaneers the couple of knocks that i have seen is that sometimes he can get overly aggressive and not have the best technique i believe they call it ugly wins on the offensive line but number one hey if you're winning anyway I don't care if it's ugly I don't care if it's pretty if you're winning on that offensive line you're winning on that offensive line and we'll take that every day of the week now you do got to have more poise you do got to have more control I guess and finesse in the NFL so I think Luke Gedeke will be able to translate well the Buccaneers again have had a good history of developing offensive linemen in recent years and yeah, you know, I do think the concerns are warranted because, again, you do have to have a little bit more uniformity, a little bit more of finesse and control in the NFL, but also I think that you can appreciate that this guy is an absolute mauler and will do an excellent job. So, Luke Gedeke, I give the pick an A grade. I think that it was absolutely an excellent selection. Moving on to round number three, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers continued their offensive drafting, I guess I should say, with the selection of Rashad White running back out of Arizona State. And I remember when this draft pick was made, a lot of people, actually with the first three picks, and well, with a lot of picks in this draft, there was a theming of getting upset because it wasn't a name that you recognized. But folks, I highly suggest, or I highly recommend, I guess I should say, you do your research on these guys before you make an opinion, because Rashad White is a good player as a running back. I give this pick a B plus. Uh, I think that Rashad White is going to be a fantastic option for the Buccaneers offense. What he is able to provide as a running back is a lot. He can be a pure runner. He did that a lot while at Arizona State. He can be a receiver as well. He has very good hands, very good pass blocking ability. The Buccaneers did just lose Ronald Jones in free agency to the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they got an upgrade at running back too with Rashad White here coming in as their selection. I I really do like it, man. I really do like it. I don't know if Bruce Arians had a hand in this. Uh, when I did talk to him at the Arians Family Foundation event, he did say rounds three to five were very good rounds to acquire some talent in this draft, and the Buccaneers started off that series of picks in rounds three to five 
with Rashad White here. And yeah, it's a good pick. Now, I know people, I know some people may be critical. You will say, hey, Keyshawn Vaughn is here. Leonard Fournette is here. He's on a three-year deal. He's the starting running back. And you also have Giovanni Bernard, who re-signed on a one-year deal as well. Did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers really need to take a running back in round number three when they could have gotten a corner or a tight end or any of these other picks that people wanted? Folks, you know, this is a league nowadays where you do have committees, you do have guys rotating in and out at skill position groups. Running back is no different. Rashad White is going to be that guy who's going to be able to come in on passing downs, going to be able to give Leonard Fournette a breather when he needs it, and he is going to need it. Yes, Fournette is making a good amount of money. Fournette will be their first option at running back, but Rashad White will be there ready and willing to contribute right away in this Buccaneers offense. And folks, I do genuinely believe Rashad White will be able to contribute right away in this Buccaneers offense. I do genuinely believe that. I will say, it does make the Keyshawn Vaughn pick not look great at this point. It is not looking good. Same with the Luke Gedeke pick in terms of making the Robert Hainsey pick not look good as well. So is this Jason Light kind of admitting, hey, Maybe I had a couple of draft misses. Do they have plans for Keyshawn Vaughn and Robert Hainsey somewhere down the line? I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. But Rashad White, I think he's a solid player. I think he's going to contribute right away. And I think he's going to do a very good job at that in terms of helping out the Buccaneers right away on offense. I give this pick a B+. But now, folks, we are going to move on to round number four. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers continued to select some very interesting players, selecting tight end Cade Otten with the first of their fourth round draft picks. And this is something that I thought was needed from the team, right? They needed a fourth round draft pick. They needed, well, I guess I shouldn't say they needed a fourth round draft pick. Of course they needed a fourth round draft pick. They needed somebody to come in at the tight end position and be able to contribute. And Kate Otten's going to be able to do that. This was actually one of the only guys that a lot of people wanted the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to select in Kate Otten when he was available. And he's going to give the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a very solid tight end in terms of blocking ability. He's got good length. He's got decent athleticism. He's got a good frame. He does have some good catching ability as well. Does he need some seasoning? Does he need some time to grow and develop in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers system, especially at the tight end position? Yes, I would agree with that. I would say that he is not going to be the day one starter because I believe that Rob Gronkowski will re-sign with the team, but I do think the Buccaneers did get themselves a good player here. Somebody who is, again, much like in the case of Rashad White, might not be the starter, but will be able to contribute right away, will be able to make some level of an impact. I think the K-Dot, and especially in the red zone, two tight end sets with presumably Rob Gronkowski if he does come back. If not, the Buccaneers would very likely sign a veteran tight end who would be their starter, or they may even trade for somebody. But I do think that he will be used in two tight end sets in the red zone, be able to contribute right away, and I think healthily contribute at that. So Kate Otten, I'm going to give this one a B. I think that it was a solid pick overall. I know that there were some guys available at other points in the draft. I really did like Trey McBride. Uh, he was almost available at the Buccaneers pick, but they could not get to him in time. There's also some guys like Jelani Woods, Jeremy Ruckert, who I really thought would have been a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. They could have traded up and selected him as a possibility, but 
They did end up with Kate Otten. I think that that is a fine pick to make. I give it a B because, you know, he does still have some needs in terms of growth and development, but I do trust the Buccaneers coaching staff to get done what needs to get done in terms of making sure Kate Otten is able to grow and develop in this Buccaneers offense. But the team was not done in round number four. They also made a, another selection later on in round number four, which this is a pick that a lot of people are going to question. They selected punter Jake Camarda with their second fourth round draft pick towards the end of the round. And I remember seeing people on just a lot of different platforms on the internet lose their minds. They were going crazy at the selection of Jake Camarda. People were saying, are you kidding me? They selected a punter in round number four. Oh my gosh, this is the Roberto Aguayo. This is the Matt Gay. This is the worst pick in the history of picks. Jason Light's terrible. He needs to be fired. And it goes on and on and on. But folks, I'm going to give this pick a C+. This is technically a need for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. People forget that, you know, guys like Bradley Pinion, which I'm not, not I'm, you know, I, you know, just talk about Bradley Pinion here. People forget that Bradley Pinion did not have the best year last year. There was definitely a lot of situations where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could have had better, better punting, could have had better kickoff situations out of Bradley Pinion, and they are working to correct that issue now. And you know, again, Bradley Pinion, he will likely be done with the team. In fact, I would say it's guaranteed that he will be done with the team now that Jake Camarda is here on the roster. And again, you know, this was technically a need. I, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've heard so many people say that the Buccaneers special teams units need to improve because they're not very good. And now they are going to get a chance to improve those special teams units here with this selection. It's going to be Ryan Sickup, Jake Camarda, and Zach Schreiner as your special teams guys this upcoming season. And I think that that will be interesting to see how that all shakes out. So yeah, I understand people are going to be upset about this pick. I understand people are going to say, oh my gosh, Jason Light, what are you doing? But you also got to remember that the Browns took a kicker in this draft, in, and I believe round five. The Ravens took a punter just a few picks before the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selection. Everybody loves their draft, even with the punter included in there. And again, this kind, these kinds of things happen, folks, where teams take special teams guys in rounds four, five, six, and seven. It's what they do. Tampa Bay Buccaneers haven't been shy about doing it in the past, and they continue to do that here. I think Jake Camarda is going to be a good punter for this team. It frees up $3 million, by the way, with the eventual release of Bradley Pinion. That's an important thing to note as well because again the Buccaneers can bring in maybe one two players with that money so you also got to think about that who are they going to bring in maybe a veteran free agent like a wide receiver maybe another cornerback which I know people were complaining about uh in this draft about not taking somebody early enough so yeah folks I, I think you just got to look at this in context you got to think about this pick how it does make sense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers rather than focusing on what the perceived 
negatives are. And I say perceived because sometimes negative things in situations are not always reality. So let's try and focus on how this pick makes sense. I give it a C plus because it's not what I would have done in round number four, but I'm not upset at the pick as well. It makes sense when you sit down and do think about what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers needed in that special teams room in their punting situation. They were able to get a guy who's gonna start right away for the team, and I think that is something that should be respected and understand uh, understanded uh, when regarding the Jake Camarda pick. Next couple of draft picks we have here, folks. The Buccaneers did trade up in round number five to select cornerback Zion McCollum with their fifth round selection. They originally did not have one. They traded up and were able to get Zion McCollum here, which a lot of people were saying was a steal based on what McCollum has done leading up to the draft. Insanely, insanely athletic. I believe he ran a 4.33 40-yard dash, and he was just an overall fantastic athlete, has some good coverage skills, has some good size. He's going to be a guy who will probably be the fourth or fifth cornerback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right away, which I feel is a very, very good spot for him to be in. He is, again, going to be a guy who's going to come in, be a rotational type of guy. And folks, I give this move a B plus, maybe an A minus due to the value that they're getting there in round number five, because I saw a lot of people say that McCollum should have been a third round pick, should have been a fourth round pick. So I'll give him an A, A minus type grade for this. And yeah, you know, it, it makes sense when you think about it. The Buccaneers did get a cornerback, so I don't want to hear no complaints out of anybody. And I think that this is going to be a solid depth addition. Going to be learning from a lot of good cornerbacks the Buccaneers have in Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, and Sean Murphy bunting. So overall, I'm happy with the selection. I give it an A minus to A grade. Rounding out the end of the Buccaneers draft class, folks, they did select a couple of more players. Co Keith was a tight end selected out of Minnesota in round number six, I believe. I believe they trade, or it might have been the top of round seven, but I do believe it was round six. I'm going to give this one a B minus grade. Solid blocking tight end who will be able to give you some stuff right away in terms of production for this Buccaneers offense. And then finally, Andre Anthony, edge defender out of LSU. I give it a C plus. You know, with seventh round, sixth round guys like Co'Keefe and Andre Anthony, you look for guys who are going to be special teams players, for guys who are good at one specific type of thing and can have some room to grow. In the case of Co'Keefe, it's going to be blocking. In the case of Andre Anthony, it's going to be pass rushing. So I definitely think that those were some fine selections that the team made. They're going to be able to contribute possibly in some way, shape, or form right away, be it on special teams or with their specialties that they have going on. Also, you could consider the practice squad for them as well. Co keeps an absolute madman, by the way. The dude, I remember saw a photo on social media of him bloodying his nose uh, during a game. So, you know, overall, it was a uh, very solid draft overall, folks. I'm probably going to give it a B plus, maybe even an A minus type of grade here overall. I thought the Buccaneers got a lot of solid contributors. They got a lot done, addressed a lot of needs, regardless of what people say about certain picks or where these players were selected. And if it wasn't the guy that they wanted, look, they got a lot of needs. Basically, every position that people wanted the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to select they selected besides punter if you want to be nitpicky about that. But the Buccaneers put in a lot of work in this draft class, addressed a lot of perceived needs that they had on the team. 
and now they are ready to continue on with the rest of their offseason. But what do you guys think of this Buccaneers draft class? I would love to hear your thoughts and opinions. Did you like these picks? Did you not like these picks? Let me know your thoughts and opinions. I will be having more podcasts coming out soon, folks. I know I've been slacking a little bit. My apologies for that. It's been an incredibly busy month of April for me. But I do have a couple of these episodes coming out here at the start of May. So stay tuned, folks, because it is going to be a lot of content coming out here today and probably tomorrow as well. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast episode. Hope y'all enjoyed. Now we'll talk to you guys in the next podcast episode, folks. But until then, and as always, guys, goodbye for now and go Bucks.